This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception, pregnancy, to birth and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who've made it from struggling to wellness, and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. We're talking with Dr. Samantha Meltzer Brody about psychiatric medication during pregnancy and postpartum. We'll go over some of the fundamental things it's important to know about med use clear up some of the misconceptions of medication use, and hopefully give you a good understanding of the risks and benefits. Dr. Samantha Meltzer Brody, MD, is an Associate Professor and Director of the UNC Perinatal Psychiatry Program of the UNC Center for Women's Mood Disorders, which is the first program of its kind in the U.S. She is currently funded by multiple NIH grants to investigate epidemiologic genetic, and other biomarker models of postpartum depression, and has recently worked to establish an international postpartum depression genetics consortium. In addition, she's investigating novel treatment options for depression in perinatal women, and also studies maternal depression in high-risk groups, including adolescent mothers and mothers of children with neurodevelopmental delays. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Meltzer Brody. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited for the listeners to hear from you because you are expert beyond expert in this stuff. And to kind of hear from you will be really valuable so that people can get a good understanding of how beneficial medication use can be and some misconceptions, clear up some misconceptions. But before that, can you share with us about the work that you do? Absolutely. So I'm the director of the perinatal psychiatry program at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And in that capacity, I run a large clinical and research program. We take care of a wide range of patients from a fairly large geographic area. We have multiple different outpatient clinic settings, both in psychiatry settings, but also in embedded in OBGYN settings. Mm -hmm. And we have 
the first and still one of the only mother-baby perinatal psychiatry inpatient units for women that need to be hospitalized um, because of very severe postpartum mood disorders. Right. And man, it would be so wonderful if hopefully someday that, you know, this will be expanding and there will be more centers doing this work because it's so necessary and we have so few resources like what you offer. So in terms of medication use and what would be good for people to know, maybe we can start off with some of the things you hear all the time, misconceptions about medication use in pregnancy or postpartum. One of the biggest misconceptions I believe is that people are concerned that there are no safe options. Mm. And I don't believe that's the case. Whenever we think about treating a woman who's pregnant or postpartum and breastfeeding with medication, we always have to take into very careful consideration the risks of exposing the mom and or the pregnancy or the baby through breast milk to whatever the medication is. But we also have to consider the impact of the mother's mental health issue Mm -hmm. and whether the medication can make a dramatic positive effect for the mom. Right. So all of those things have to be taken into consideration. And this has to be a very thoughtful discussion between the person who's prescribing and the mom, who often also wants to discuss these issues with her family. So there's not a one size it's all, and there's not a perfect way of handling it. It really has to be carefully tailored to each person. That said, mm-hmm. medications can be a critical part of treatment for many women with postpartum mood disorder. Certainly for anyone that has more moderate to severe symptoms, mm-hmm. it's often a critical part of treatment. So if we think of the spectrum of postpartum mood and anxiety symptoms, you can have mild symptoms, moderate symptoms, very severe symptoms. Mm-hmm. And Psychotherapy is certainly a great option, but it may be difficult for someone to engage in therapy if they're critically ill and the symptoms they're having prevent them from being able to meaningfully participate in therapy. Right. So for example, if someone has overwhelming anxiety that's paralyzing, if they're having active suicidal thoughts, certainly if they're having psychotic thoughts, all of those things would indicate that medications are often very much needed to manage the symptoms and reduce them so that the mom can also participate in therapy. And I think that there are many good choices on treatments that can be taken during pregnancy as well as during breastfeeding. Now certainly all medications have potential risks, but it's weighing that risk against the risk of not treating the mom and then potentially having a really devastating outcome. Right. And I think, you know, that's the stuff I hear on my end as a therapist is, oh, you know, only the concern about the risk to exposure to medication. But what most moms don't realize is the high levels of stress or anxiety or depression are also impacting their pregnancy and their baby. Absolutely. Right. So this goes into part of the idea around misconceptions that you're describing that there's only risk if you take the medication. So you went over a little bit about when a mom might benefit from using medications when their symptoms are more on the moderate to severe end. What are the kinds of things that you've seen in terms of benefits for those moms? Absolutely. So I think for moderate to severe symptoms, oftentimes the antidepressants or other mood stabilizers or other anti-anxiety medications can do a number of really important things. They can, one, decrease anxiety and make it much more manageable. The medications can help with sleep. Many women with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders have a lot of difficulty sleeping. They can help improve mood. So rather than feeling just hopeless 
helpless and feeling completely overwhelmed with everything, it can lift that sort of dark thundercloud and make Mm -hmm. things feel much more manageable. They can reduce suicidal thoughts and the feeling that life is not worth living or feeling that wanting to die is the only option to decrease the suffering. And they certainly can help treat psychotic symptoms or the symptoms associated with postpartum psychosis, which is, while very rare, it's one of the you know, most potentially devastating postpartum mood disorders. Right. So some moms feel like if they take this medication, what are the risks to their baby? What kinds of things are they going to be experiencing? What are some common side effects that you've seen? I think that in terms of side effects, there are a number of medications that actually have a very favorable side effect profile. So sometimes we can see sedation as a side effect. Mm. Sometimes you can see with some of the antidepressants, you can have some mild gastrointestinal upset early on that usually resolves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can see what we refer to as sexual dysfunction with some of the antidepressants, which can be difficulty having an orgasm for minority of women that take it. But those are the most common side effects. Some of the antipsychotics that would be used to treat things like postpartum psychosis or as a secondary agent for depression that didn't respond to first-line antidepressants could involve Mm -hmm. potential for weight gain. But in all cases, we really try to tailor what we think will work and be most effective with the medications that would have the least potential for causing side effects. So that would be something the mom is experiencing potentially. Those are not necessarily things that she's going to experience. Absolutely. And some people tolerate the medications and have no side effects at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm giving you the potential list of things we counsel people on as being potentially something that could happen, but they may not happen at all. Okay. Well, I mean, that's good to clarify that it could be nothing. You could feel nothing but the benefit of the medication. Well, part of the difficulty is that sometimes there's a trial and error of seeing you know, how that medication will sit with you. But it seems like moms are more able to tolerate that idea than the thought that I hear often is, well, what's it going to do to my baby? What is this medication going to do to my child? So it would be helpful then to kind of hear a little bit from you about how much of the medication gets to the baby during pregnancy. And then certainly we haven't talked about postpartum and nursing yet, but through nursing too. So the concern about you know medication exposure during pregnancy is something that causes all women enormous anxiety, rightfully so. No one wants to feel they're taking something to treat their own mental health issue that potentially could have adverse effects on the baby. Right. And there has been, you know, a ever-growing body of literature over the past 20 years plus, in particular looking at the antidepressants and the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the SSRIs, which are fluoxetine, which is Prozac, and all of its cousins, including mm. sertraline, which is Zoloft, and citalopram, Celexa, etc. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. 
but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And there have been many, many studies that have come out over time. In general, I think if you look at the absolute risk, not that if you're, any medication can have some risk, but if you look Mm -hmm. at the absolute risk of these medications in large-scale epidemiologic studies or large population-based studies, you see that the absolute risk is very small for any particular individual considering Mm -hmm. a pregnancy. That said, there are risks that have been reported, and the most common ones that you will see reported are the risk of what we call a neonatal behavioral syndrome. It can be called a discontinuation syndrome, which is at the time of birth, the babies can look more jittery or edgy and have perhaps changes in muscle tone, which can be very brief and fleeting for those that had taken SSRIs that's considered very transient and temporary. You will see reports of a very small risk of primary pulmonary hypertension of the newborn for babies that took SSRIs. And you have to remember that that's a very rare condition. And the risk of that is actually in some studies is greater if you have a C-section, if the mom had a C-section of developing that in the baby than if she took an SSRI. Wow. You will see reports, there were last few years, there have been concerns about the association with autism. And I think that in general, again, if you look at large scale, large population based data and the risk, the absolute risk is very small. The overwhelming majority of children with autism did not have mothers that took an SSRI. Right. Um, And, you know, the question is always with these studies is it the actual exposure to the antidepressant? Or is it the underlying depression and the illness or the genetic loading that increases Mm -hmm. this? You know, one of the other things that we think about are women that have more severe symptoms requiring staying on an antidepressant during pregnancy or needing medication during pregnancy. Is there something about the underlying disorder itself that increases risk? Right. And that's not necessarily something that comes across in these like headlines that we see that run through our news feeds or, oh, there's this three times more likely risk if you take this thing than this other thing. And it's alarming. It is Um, alarming. And I think, unfortunately, the headlines are often written to generate news. mm. So I think that the bottom line for me is that a lot of the headlines 
need to be taken with a grain of salt. And the mom needs to discuss these things with their doctor. Fortunately, there's a lot of misconception out there. And what may be three times increased risk, what you have to ask the first question is, well, what is the risk? So is the risk one per 1,000 and now the risk is three per 1,000? That may be three times increased risk, but you're still talking about something that's pretty rare, right? Yeah. I think all of these things have to be considered. And ultimately, again, the mom cannot put her mental health aside. Mm -hmm. So if a mother is truly suffering, the other thing that's really important to emphasize is untreated depression and anxiety is now shown to cause potentially lasting adverse consequences for the developing baby and the baby's brain as well. There is certainly a risk associated with not treating the depression as well. And there's a whole field emerging looking at infants that are exposed to depression and that being a stress model that can cause long-term adverse consequences on the baby. So it's not just picking between, well, I will take this medication because it will treat me and then I'll feel better, but I might expose my baby. It's really deciding about if my depression is treated, is that good for me and my baby, despite the risk of the medication? The last thing I would say is that a lot of the studies suffer from serious bias in terms of you can be taking an antidepressant, but still be depressed. Mm. So you can be taking a low dose of Prozac, but still be depressed. And now you've been exposed both to an insufficient, inadequate dose, Mm. as well as ongoing depression. And so that's often not controlled for very well in the studies that look at this. Right. And just as you were saying that, it made me think of so many clients who come in for therapy and who've been seen by a psychiatrist or nurse practitioner who don't have training in reproductive psychiatry and are either given, you know, the wrong diagnosis or aren't being given the medication in a way that will be supportive. Right. And I think that's the unfortunate sort of fallout of this is that if you do not have a skilled perinatal mental health provider who sort of understands this literature well. What can sometimes happen is people are just fearful. So they'll give low doses of the antidepressants, but what ends up being is that they're not actually therapeutic. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you're not actually treating the underlying condition adequately. I find this very frustrating, as I know do my colleagues in the field when we're at conferences. It sort Mm -hmm. of would be like giving half the effective dose of an antibiotic, well, then it's just not going to be either treat the infection adequately, and yet you've been exposed to the antibiotic. So I do think there's still a lot of misconception. There's a lot of non-psychiatrists and perinatal psychiatrists in particular who are fearful. And obviously people are motivated by not wanting to cause any harm, right? Sure. That's the motivation, but it is harm not to treat the mother and her mental illness adequately. Right. And I think that's such an important message to get across to listeners. And even for people who are dealing with this and going to a provider that either diagnosing and or offering medication is to, you know, that they can ask questions. The folks who are going in for treatment are often thinking that, okay, well, I'm going to my OB or I'm going to a psychiatrist. So this person must know. And that's not always the case. Right. It's definitely not always the case. And so I think there are many more people being trained in this area than there were in the past, but it's still not perfect. And I think that I would encourage all moms to ask someone, what is your training in perinatal psychiatry? What is your experience with this? Now, obviously, if you're living in a large metro area where you have lots of people to choose from, 
then you have the luxury of, you know, finding someone that has quite a bit of experience or you're going to a specialized program. But a lot of people are living in areas where there are very few choices or very few choices that are affordable. So that gets more complicated. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that is also a huge challenge for moms who are trying to get help and not having trained providers is a challenge. And I think that's where you know, the kind of type of trainings that you do and the type of program that you have is so useful for people to hear about that, you know, you are working very hard, you and your team, and there are people working very hard to try and grow these types of resources and have them available through, you know, multiple organizations that we've talked about on this show. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Absolutely. And there's a lot more being done by many national organizations to do trainings. The one thing I wanted to add, since I'm the principal investigator for a clinical trial, and this is a very sort of exciting new area, is at this point, it's an intravenous IV formulation of a medication that's being studied for severe postpartum depression. And it's made by Sage Therapeutics. It is a pharmaceutical company in Cambridge, Mass., and they are working with many different sites across the country. UNC is one of them on this new clinical trial. And your listeners could look at the Hummingbird study online, Mm -hmm. Sage Hummingbird study. It is a very exciting potential new treatment with rapid onset of action. Wow. Traditional antidepressants can take four to six weeks to work. And this is a double-blind placebo study, which means half the people in it or a bit more get the active drug and and, um, then there's others that get the placebo. 
as the study's being done, women do have free treatment during the course of the study. But it is an exciting new option for women, and they can be flown in to participate in the study wherever they live that would be covered by SAGE Therapeutics. So I just wanted to put that out there as another new exciting Mm -hmm. thing on the horizon for women to know about. That's fantastic. I will put all of that information in the show notes so people can access those links and get over and check that out. And this is so important. Okay, so yeah, I will have those links up to the hummingbird study so that moms can check that out. That looks very promising. I'm excited to hear about this new cutting edge research. You know, I so often hear from moms, why didn't anybody tell me about this? My provider doesn't know what they're doing. And there's a lot of people who are working very hard to get folks trained. While that's happening, I think it's so important for moms and other providers, other healthcare providers, to know that there are safe medications to use. And to hear from you that there are things that they can try. Is there a way for people to, I think I heard that PSI is rolling out some kind of like provider training soon. So PSI does trainings on a regular basis. But for medication providers. So I think that they have a list of resources. So usually on the PSI website, as does Postpartum Progress, both of them have resources. And so that would be a a good thing to do. Okay. I'll just put those in the show notes too. Would you feel comfortable talking about your program a little bit? Absolutely. So at UNC, as I mentioned, we have a large clinical and research program. So we have multiple different outpatient clinic settings. Mm -hmm. All the information's on our website, www.womensmooddisorders.org. And people can self-refer. We have a range of different providers from psychiatrists, psychologists, nurse practitioners, all of whom see patients providing either specialized psychotherapy or medication management. We have multiple providers who are embedded in OBGYN clinics, and that's very exciting because it allows women when they're getting their OB care to also see a mental health provider in that same clinic setting. Wow. And as I mentioned, we have our inpatient unit. So we have women that fly in across the country to get treatment on our inpatient perinatal psychiatry unit, mm-hmm. either to participate in a clinical trial with new sort of innovative investigational medication or just to get treatment. These are women with the most sort of severe symptoms who need an inpatient setting. But our mother baby unit is, as I mentioned, the first in the US. Babies do not stay overnight, but they have extended visiting hours throughout the day and evening. And we have a lot of information about that on our website. The other thing we do is we do a lot of research to understand what causes perinatal mood disorders and then to understand how we can most effectively treat perinatal mood disorders. So another exciting project we're doing that anyone listening could participate in is we're interested in learning about the underlying genetic basis. And we have an app called PPD ACT, like action, A-C-T, that anyone can download from the iTunes store. Right now it's iOS version and it allows people to have a screening test done. And then if they have had postpartum depression, they will be asked to give a spit sample to participate in our genetic study. And we've had thousands of women who have participated on the 
samples are then stored at the NIH, the National Institute of Health, and will be analyzed to understand what is the genetic risk for postpartum depression. If we understand that, then we can understand both prevention and treatment. So it's a very exciting study that anyone can participate in wherever they are. So we've really been delighted with the national participation that we've seen. Oh, that's fantastic. Are you taking international samples too, or is this just national? So right now it's available in the United States and Australia, but it will be coming soon to Canada and the UK and other countries are coming online down the road very soon as well. So it is something that's spreading. You have to participate in your own country. But it is something anyone, at least for the U.S. samples, can participate in the United States or the countries I mentioned. But our mm-hmm. TPD Act website, which is called PACT for the Cure, P-A-C-T um, for the Cure, gives a lot of information. But that's been really heartwarming to see the amazing participation from people you know, around the world doing this. That is amazing. So for the U.S. listeners, please check that out. I will also have this on the show notes. And for folks in those other countries who are listening, keep a lookout for this information so you can participate too. I mean, I think it's so important because oftentimes when we're going through this, we feel like, you know, there's nothing we can do, but this is really a way to be active and participate and help hopefully help other moms to help prevent them from going through this on some level. So this is such important work and I'll have all of that information available for everyone. So before we wrap up, you know, what are your takeaways? What do you really want people to know about medication use during pregnancy and postpartum? Um, Well, the primary things I want people to know is that no one needs to suffer from postpartum anxiety or mood disorders and not get treatment. There are very effective treatments. Each day, there's new and exciting studies being done to understand how we can both diagnose, prevent, and treat this even better. Mm. And women who are suffering need to make sure they get treatment. They should not be scared about taking a medication that will help them get well. Getting treatment is good for them, and it's good for their baby. Yes. Real thoughtful discussion about how to minimize risks can always be done and just encouraging people to seek the help they need and deserve. But really to say that not getting treatment is just not okay. And, you know, we don't tell moms not to get treatment for pneumonia or high blood pressure or diabetes. Um, We have to see mental health as being just as important as any other medical illness and to get the treatment they need. A hundred percent, a thousand percent. Thank you so much for your wisdom and for coming on with us today, sharing this information. Everybody, I'm going to have all these links to check out all these amazing programs and information for you to check out. So thank you so much, Dr. Meltzer Brody. Thank you so much. And it's been a delight to talk with you and I will look forward to being able to answer questions and being you know, able to assist anyone in whatever way I can. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. By joining us today, you are part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. You can feel better. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? 
Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.